Welcome back to the Flame Queen Mastermind Series brought to you by the people at Donor Search, of course. We've done, I think now, 475 programs in the series going back to 2016. And it's all about the kinds of needs and interests that we hear from you. So if you have things that you'd like to see and hear in the future, I hope that you will let me know. You can reach me through LinkedIn or jay at donorsearch.net or wherever you want to on the internet. You can find me pretty easily. Um, and of course, uh, throughout this last couple of days, we've been here at AFB Icon where we had the opportunity to invite uh, a few of the award winners and others in the sector to talk with us. A particularly exciting opportunity is right today, right now, with Masataka Uo, who is uh, the head of the founder and head of the Japanese Fundraising Association, um, which has been uh, doing phenomenal work, uh, one of the fastest growing, most impactful organizations of fundraisers in the world. Um, so it's really exciting to have a chance to talk with you about that work. Thank you very much, Jai. Uh, thank you very much for inviting me. I thought about my dry throat. You oh, know, last <laughs> night I had a party and joined Jasper and I shouted too much and I, I, I'm now in dry throat. So, <laughs> so sorry about it. It's a, it's a natural hazard of New Orleans. Yes. Yes. Is this your first time in New Orleans? No, second time. Last time when I came here was five years ago for API Icon. Okay. All right. Uh, so you've been going to these things for a while. Yeah. So what? What? Uh, first of all, let's let's talk a little bit about the association. When was that founded? It's oh. been a while now. Oh, oh, yeah. Our foundation, Japan Foundation Association, was founded in two thousand nine, and uh, at the opening ceremony, we invited a poet, Maihara, the president and CEO of AP at right. the time. And my inspiration to make a Japan Foundation Association coming from AP Icon. In 2002, when I met graduate students in the United States, I firstly joined AFP ICOM by myself. Yes. I was the only participant from Japan. From Japan. I was really inspired this, this this conference. Then I started to become confident that I need to have the same one mm -hmm. in Japan. And it has really grown. I mean, you had a yep. few, I, I think already when you started, you had something like two or 300 people. Yep. But now you have over well over a thousand or fifteen hundred. Yep. What? Yep. How large yep. is it today? Surely in two thousand ten, we organized the first fundraising conference in Japan. That it was it had a roughly four hundred delegates at the time, which was really nice. Sure. Given the situation where we are still very early stage, but uh, now we have uh, we had a we have a roughly one sixteen hundred sixteen hundred delegates wow. for uh, in person conference before COVID nineteen. And so they, we are very happy to see the growth. And uh, always AFP and the United States community of fundraisers help us to you know, organize this conference and uh, nice speakers coming to our conference from the United States. Thank you so much. Well, it's, it's always good to have that chance to go uh, and, and work with people in other countries. Yep. Resource Alliance has done that. Yep. Case has done that. AFP has done that. And, um, but it's not possible unless you have a strong... Uh, community of fundraisers and maybe more importantly, non-profits or not-for-profit organizations yeah. within a country. So that's been a real growth in Japan over the last 40, 50 years. And there have to be, there, there's been major legislation along the way to make that possible. So today, if you have 1,600 members, that also means you must have a much more robust not-for-profit economy. Many organizations raising money. What is that like today to work in the not-for-profit sector as a whole? Oh. So the our non-profit sector is really growing over the last ten years. 
But interesting is that talking about giving, uh, you know, we have big natural disasters sometimes. For example, in 2011, we had a tsunami, and 25,000 people were killed in a day. But uh, flip side of it, uh, roughly, roughly uh, 80% of Japanese people gave to the victims of disasters. So whenever we have big disasters, you know, philanthropic spirits are coming up in the society, then gradually the, the people who are giving to the charities increasing mm-hmm. and increasing. And the fundraisers as a pipeline of philanthropy are doing a very good work in our society. And now we have uh, 2,500 uh, 2,500 uh, individual organization members in the association, and uh, we see the tremendous growth of the fundraising momentum uh, in our society. That, and then, then there's also probably a, a, a growth of giving, because it wasn't always easy to give in Japan. People yeah. were always generous. I mean, yeah. you can go... It, this is the thing I always point to. If, if, if you haven't been to Japan or if you haven't traveled outside the United States, there's this perception that somehow we're different and we give more. But this is absolutely untrue. Uh, if you go to the temples in Japan, you see, of course, uh, yeah, recognition yeah. Uh, for, for donors that it's been going on for hundreds of years, longer than the United States has been in existence. Uh, but it, that doesn't mean it's easy. So is, it, is the environment for giving easier? Is the donor pool of donors, is that growing too? Yeah. So the interesting thing is, yes, growing. And uh, especially two unique features right now, uh, as you may know, that Japan is suffering from aging society, yes. quite a rapid aging society. And uh, But flip side of it, request on the legacy giving is booming and growing significantly over the last five years. So most of non organizations could gain more and more request on the legacy giving, which is a great uh, uh, phenomenon right now. And second thing is high net worth. And historically speaking, not so many high net worth in Japan donated. Right. Uh, but after COVID-19, many high net worth start to realize how can you know pay back the COVID. And uh, two years ago, our foundation association and the banking sector working together to set up a one, kind of one-stop platform for high net worth philanthropists uh, uh, to give. And interestingly, uh, almost every week, twice a week, three times a week, we got a new call from high net worth to give back community. Really? So they, some of them are creating a foundation, new foundation, innovative foundation. Some of them create donor advice. But anyway, you know, it's, it's, it's a good, good change. That's a huge change because there's this perception, and maybe historically it was true, of being very flat sort of yep. society that, that uh, there wasn't a great deal of wealth inequality. Mm-hmm. And sometimes wealth inequality has terrible effects, but it also means that some people have a lot of money and they can give it away. So is that, some of that changing as well? Yes, absolutely. Historically speaking, you know, we love donation box, right? Right. On the streets, the donation book there, some people are, you know, throw coins. Right, right. So this kind of, you know, giving culture are very, very normal. Right. And in temple, every time we go to the temple, right. there is a donation box and everybody plays, you know, some coins. This kind of behavior are very normal and spread in our society, but nowadays, impactful donation, impactful donation. Right. Uh, the donors are looking at impact, and so the high net worth and the bequest is also creating a great impact in society. 
I, I know that um, a number of years ago you, that the association released uh, something like Giving USA yep. uh, in, in Japan. And I don't know if that's something that you do regularly or yep. if that's... Um, so have you also... Do you have a sense about how big the scope is, the totality of giving, like how uh, much money is given? Uh, so the, talking about individual givings, yes. uh, in 2010, it was roughly uh, uh, 5 billion US dollars a year. And uh, it's not a big amount enough, but now one, uh, now 12 billion. That's a, that's a big growth. Billion. That's so a big the, in 10 years, uh, gradually increasing, uh, now 12 billion US dollars a year, become donation, individual donation. But you also have a large corporate giving yep. sector. Yep. There's in the 2% clubs and all that. And here, yep. I think it's the average is maybe half a percent for yep. the companies who give. Yep. So a, a lot of giving there. Plus, there's been organized giving historically. Is that still true? Like the um, you know Japan Business Association paid on that. Yeah. Is that still? Yeah. Interesting is that uh, you know the it's maybe a slightly different uh, situation mm -hmm. from the case of the United States. Uh, the alliance-based giving you know is very common in emerging market. Now it's not a, only in Japan, maybe in other Asian countries, especially emergency response activities. So the, for example, uh, in Japan there. There is a Japan platform for disaster response, together with business federation, NGOs, the government working together to set up this kind of platform. And uh, 40 NGOs joined that platform. And amazingly, over the last 20 years, they raised more than uh, uh, 600 million US dollars from various people uh, for responding to their uh, uh, disasters. Right. Like, so the, Given the situation where many Japanese international energy and disaster response NGO uh, have uh, limited, uh, limited the capability of doing fundraising by themselves, if we get create a platform and working together to appeal to the society, it's really working well. So Japan's situation is always unique, right? <laughs> in every way. Uh, but throughout Asia, uh, it, the situation is different in every single country. There are different historical, legal, political, economic factors. But um, I know that you are working to try and make it possible for there to be a greater growth of the fundraising community, for more discussions between and among people. Can you talk about what you're trying to do uh, to bring people together throughout oh. the region and yep. the world? So, the, yes, uh, the almost uh, 10 years ago, we established our own fundraising association. This yes. is, this is uh, uh, we have membership. And this is kind of hub of ecosystem of promoting giving and fundraising. Everybody working together, a set of projects together. It's kind of platform for incubating new challenges mm -hmm. in our society. And key thing is that uh, yes, in for example, in Korea we have a Korean fundraising association, China China fundraising association. But uh, we don't have this kind of association ecosystem, formal ecosystem in Indonesia, Malaysia, and other countries. Right. So what I'm looking at is that uh, the, together with AFP and Resource Alliance, etc., we would like to take leadership to support creating ecosystem domestically in local countries, so like you know, the Indonesian fundraisers network and the Malaysian fundraisers network. Those kind of things uh, would like, we'd like to help them to create these kind of things, and uh, we would like to share experiences and technical support. And we, in the, in the near future, we directly have Asia-Pacific fundraising gathering to share the best practices of ecosystem building. So this is what I'm thinking right now. And hopefully, uh, in the next conference, 
I would like to bring 10 representatives from 10 countries from RJ Pacific and ecosystem leaders will be invited to here to discuss what's happening in the Pacific. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So that's one more reason to come to the conference in Toronto, which yes. is next year. So start making your plans now. And uh, okay, I want to go back into history a little bit. You started by saying you're a graduate student and you first attended ICON. You're the only guy from Japan at the yep. time who was there. Now you're coming now. How many years has this been, first of all, from that time to today? 20 years. Okay. So over the 20 years, what's the biggest change you see? What's the biggest surprise? AFP? Yes. Wow. I think, uh, firstly, we are now in the booth area, right. corporate booth area, research here. And the advancement of technology and advancement of supporting system to the non-profit sector is amazing. You know, it's it's growing so much, and it's it's always very exciting. And also, the, we see the growth of the community of fundraisers. It's always this gathering is inspirational and really warm. And uh, those things are tremendously growing in you know, the last 20 years. So we I, I are so much excited. And international partnership also. We met Brazilian Association and other network, you know, network ecosystem builders in respective countries. So the fundraising movement is now really expanding to the globe. And we are working together, together with the FBN, the Resource Alliance, etc. So it sounds like instead of um, the way people used to think about this, there's money over here, so let's go to another country for wherever we thought there was money. Now we're growing the base of professionalism, technology, and interest in building our own sectors so that we can collaborate. So we're not just running in for dollars or yen. Yeah. We're, we're trying to help one another build for our own communities. Yeah, I think I agree with you. And the key thing is that many people now they argue about the future of capitalism, right? Capitalism right. needs to be, you know, improved a little bit, right, toward the future. And empathic giving, empathic you know, cash flow, a very important factor for creating a future of capitalism. And so the fundraiser is not just for philanthropy, but fundraiser can contribute to create the future of the capitalism. So this, this is what we are looking at now. And those kind of passion could be emerged in various countries right now, including Japan. So nowadays, you know, the fundraising is not just a matter of getting money. Instead, fundraising is a matter of creating a new capitalism and new society in the world. The Philanthropy Masterminds podcast is underwritten by DonorSearch, the world leader in donor intelligence solutions. Our producer is Jack Frost. Our theme music is Be My Remedy, composed and performed by House of Say. You can subscribe to the Philanthropy Masterminds podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find blogs, webcasts, and CFRE accredited webinars with our featured masterminds at donorsearch.net or check the show notes and descriptions.